Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts, and myself, Doug Ireland. This episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. Need your house spray foamed? Check out msfi.ca today for all the details. A shout out to Drew and the crew over at Muskoka for proudly supporting Offside Hockey Talk. All right, guys, it's time for Offside. It feels so damn good to be back. That's right, Offside Hockey Talk up in your ears right now. Unfortunately, we are doing a solo cast. There is no Doug J. Ireland today due to scheduling conflicts, but we are happy to bring you a jam-packed episode full of all kinds of Leafs tidbits and things from around the league. Let's jump into it. You know, there's one thing I want to talk about right out the get-go, and that is the prediction season videos, guys. I do those just for fun. I'm not trying to nail it or knock it out of the park. I enjoy it and thank you to the thousands of people who listen each and every week and check them out, watch them, comment and everything. You know, I am trying to point things out that I think are going to happen, point things out like who's going to score or what the score might be, this, that and the other stuff. So no, I'm not going to get it perfect, but guess what? I enjoy doing it. People enjoy seeing it. So it's something that isn't going anywhere. So unfortunately to those who comment and throw the negativity out there, you know, you can take that on up the road because this is sticking around. I enjoy it. And like I said, if people want to keep checking it out, that's going to be something that stays. Speaking of things that stay, well, we all know what happened. Patty Marlowe got his wish and his stay is going to be extended back in San Jose. That's right. The Sharks signed Patty Marlowe to a one-year deal. Patty's going home, close to the family, and back to where he's familiar and pretty much back to where he belongs with the San Jose Shark, adding veteran leadership you know, a little bit of scoring prowess, and the Iron Man streak will live on for a little while longer. Uh, you know, in Patty Marlowe, you know what you're going to get. A guy who you can lean on in the room, a guy who can bring it. Uh, you know, father time is catching up to his legs, but hopefully he can be productive for the San Jose Sharks this year and maybe help them out in the playoffs and get them towards a Stanley Cup. And wouldn't that be a fitting return if this is finally the year? Patty Marlowe, Tip of the cap to you, man. We loved you in Toronto. Happy that you're back home. Happy that you're playing. Can't wait to see you when you come to Toronto right soon. I believe it's in the next few games that Patty Marlowe and the San Jose Sharks will grace the Air Canada ice. And, you know, speaking of gracing things, you know, if you're a dad, you really have this connection with your kids. You know, they'll give you a little trinket or something and you see the look in their eyes. They want you to hold on to it or keep it. And if it's not where you put it or where they gave it to you to put on, you know, they're looking for it and they're asking questions. For me, my daughter made me a great little key tag and it sits on my keys all the time. All it is is a little heart with I love you in it. And it's just for me from her and she puts it on on my keys. And then in my car, I have a flip down on my visor and it's a little popsicle stick frame with a picture for Father's Day of my daughter's. And it's absolutely awesome. It's gobsmacked with way too much glue. But you know what? It doesn't leave my car. And the facial expressions I get every single time they see both of these items is awesome. And I say this because a Reddit user picked out the fact that on John Tavares' stick... 
He has his son's name. Now, being a newly minted father, it's probably a great feeling to have him so close and to have his name on the stick. It's just something you look at. Maybe when the game's not going so well, you look at that and you remember what you're coming home to and you remember just a little bit more what else you're playing for. And we all feel that throughout the day. You think about the ones you love and having the the little thing on my keychain, a little thing on my flip-down visor, you know, to... To, to look at, you know, when I'm having a bad day about, you know, and see my daughters and know that they love me. And, you know, it makes you get through the day a little bit better. And it's pretty awesome when you can do that kind of thing. Um, you know, negativity is something that, that comes on a little bit too much in life. So when you have a moment to look at something so positive and so pure from a child who just wants to give you a little something that they did or even just put it in the name so you can see it. It's good for the positivity. It's good for the soul. Everybody knows that who's a parent. It's, it means a whole lot to them, and they don't really know how much it means to you. Um, speaking of something that means something to people, you look around the league right now, you have a lot of guys who are prolific in scoring right out of the gate. You look at Austin Matthews, and you look at the uh, nobody ever would have thought of James Neal scoring six goals, four in one game, of course, but... You start to ask the question, is there going to be a possibility of being able to get 50 and 50? For Austin Matthews, we know he's added a new wrinkle to his repertoire, which is the one-time slapper on the power play. I'm wondering if Austin Matthews may be the guy to do the 50 and 50 finally. If he can do that, that's going to be freaking amazing. I think that he can do it. I think he can pull it out. So Austin Matthews, go out and get the 50, buddy. I'm rooting for the 50 and 50. And now everybody's going to say, oh, it's too early in the season to be saying that kind of stuff. Too early. He's going to go cold. Look, he's already didn't score against St. Louis. Rah, rah, rah. Guess what? This guy can do it. And for some reason, I feel it. The 50 and 50 is going to happen very, very soon. And I think Austin Matthews may be the guy to do it. Speaking of doing things, I'm looking at Kasperi Kapanen, and he may not be able to do what they want him to do on that first line. And now, not raining on him just because of what happened in Montreal, the brain fart with the stick. That's already been talked about to death. We're not going to jump all over that anymore. But I'm talking about the fact that you have a guy who went through a contract dispute and a newly minted father who are trying to get themselves, you know, back and, you know, acclimated to the new things that they got. One guy's could try to live up to a big deal. Then you have this guy who is now thrust into a top line, de facto number one line position, and he's not producing yet. And everybody is starting to point out this and point out that. And the media is on him and there's comments everywhere. You have to wonder what that does to the psyche of a guy who is good at scoring, scored 20 goals last year, but unfortunately... You know what's happening right now. He's not putting up the points. So you think about it. What do you do? Do you break up that third line that's having a great run right now with Mikheyev, Kerfoot, and Moore, and put Moore up there or even Mikheyev, and then drop down Cappy, which is where Cappy's going to be? And then when Hyman comes back, do you drop the guy who went to the first line to the fourth line or even out of the lineup, which is not something you would do because they're probably going to be playing pretty darn good. But what I'm saying is, is there a way you can get Kasperi Kapanen going? I don't know, but he definitely does not fit on that line. And what that line seems to be missing is a Zach Hyman. A hashtag Hyman hustle through and through on that line is what's missing. A guy that goes in, throws the hits, grabs the puck, does all the little dirty work things that you need to do to allow your offensive guys to go out and do that. I think they wanted that from Casper Kapanen. And you know what? Against the St. Louis Blues, he was throwing hits. He was being disruptive. He was causing crap. But... 
It's not the same way that Zach does it, and it doesn't open up the opportunities the same way for Tavares and Marner. I really can't wait for Hyman to get back, and then we're going to see what happens when you drop down Kappen into the third line, which I don't know if you demote more to the fourth line. And does this even further speculate the fact that maybe you dangle Kasperi Kappen in a trade for something else that you covet? Maybe a heavy fourth liner. Maybe uh, you got your eye on a prospect. I don't know. But something's going to give when Hyman comes back. And if Moore is still putting up points the way he is, what do you do? I don't really know what to say. You know, like I said, I don't want to break up Mickey Kerf and Moore. So that line to me is a solid third line. Something, you know, we, we had before and now we have again. So this this needs to stay together. I think we need to find a different way to get Mr. Um, Kapanen going. You know, the other thing that we were talking about getting going is this month is going to tell you what you have in Hutchinson, you know. You have a bunch of back-to-backs, so he's going to have at least four opportunities to show that on the tail end of a back-to-back he can hold it up. Some people say that we hung him out to dry Saturday night. Um, you know, I have a f- the theory in my own mind that the backup goaltender with a 4-1 lead should be able to hold you in it, especially when your legs start to go on the tail end of a back-to-back towards the end of the second period into the third. If you have that lead built up, you should be able to get it going. But... Uh, you know, this is going to be the proven point for Hutchinson. We're going to see what he has and what he's made of. And I don't know where the Leafs go beyond this. I wouldn't mind seeing Joseph Wool up, um, you know, or maybe even go down and, and see what you can do for a trade either with Tampa or someone else. Not that Tampa's going to be handing out a backup goaltender to help us, but hey, you know what? There's, uh, there's things that need to be done. But if you look at his comments on Saturday night, uh, Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun noted that uh, he didn't call out any of his teammates and said he lauded them for making smart plays. And even when the slash happened by JT in overtime, he looked at it as a sacrifice play and something that needed to be done and saying that the, the right things, you know, the only thing is, can you say the right things and then can you back them up? That's the problem. If you can't back them up, then what's the difference? You know what I mean? If you can't back up what you're saying, it ends up being a spark situation where you're out there talking but not backing it up with the play. The other thing for me, you know, talking a whole lot is Don Cherry yet again about the Leafs not having size, not having the toughness, you know, that they won't go far. You may win a round, but you won't win the Stanley Cup. Who knows what's going to happen? That's the magic of the playoffs. As Mr. Steve Dangle always says, it's just throw it into a blender and you'll see what happens because you never know with the playoffs what can happen, what will happen, who's going to get hot, who's going to go on a heater, who's going to get cold. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. No one would have expected them to get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, So even the best teams have some problems. For me, I want to say that Mojo and Trevor Moore, these guys are on fire to start the year. Trevor Moore... I don't know if it's going to happen, but he looks like a guy who might be able to score you 20 goals. And Mojo Morgan Riley, I want to see him top more than 72 points like he did last year. I want to see him go to that next level. I want to see him in the Norris conversation. And you know what? He is still pacing for more points than than, uh, Mr. Tyson Berry. And he is getting the first line power play minutes. I know that. But Morgan Riley, again this year, is proving that he is an offensive threat which only bodes well for the rest of the season. Another player I want to focus on right quick is Ilya Mikheyev. Now, Mikheyev came over and everybody had the, 
Well, he's a Russian. Let's see what he can do. Well, he's one of those guys that we bring over, like a Lindholm, like a Igor Ojiganov, you know, all these other kind of players that we brought and put in our lineup, Sashnikov, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? For whatever reason, Ilya Mikheyev is that player that you're looking for. And I don't know who said it. it was like he was built in a lab. This guy can hit. This guy is heavy on the puck. He can skate, drives the net. And he doesn't exactly have stone hands of stone. The guy can put the puck in the net as well. So I'm very excited to see what Elia Mikheyev can do for the whole season. Now, like I cautioned with Doug before, this guy may slow down towards the end of the season where it's a regular 82-game grind that he's not used to. So we'll see and watch if they temper his minutes towards the end of the season to make sure he is fresh for the playoffs. Now, we had some games during the time between the podcasts. So we played Columbus, we played Montreal, and we played St. Louis. Now, if you're asking me, the Columbus game was the absolute Mitch Marner show. This guy came out and showed everybody why he's worth the money that he's getting paid. Now, he's gone quiet a little bit since the next two games, but the Columbus game was the Mitch Marner show. He showed you what he can do setting up. He showed you what he can do for scoring. That's why Mitch Marner went and got the money he did. And in a few years, if that cap goes up the way it's supposed to, that is going to look like a Leon Dreisaitl type of deal when the cap is hovering around 95, 96, even $100 million. But if you look at this game, Freddie Anderson was solid between the pipes. He did what he had to do to win us the game. But the thing that I always look at for a goalie, how does he respond after long lulls of the puck not being in the zone? Is it a weak rebound that's given up? Is it a solid save? Does he shut the play down right there? And with Freddie, it was solid save, shutting it down after lulls. And we'll get back to lulls in a minute because this happened again, but in the Montreal game with Hutchinson. And I'll talk about what happened there just a little bit longer down the road. But if you look at the ice time, it was a big topic throughout the summer. There was no forward in this game that had over 20 minutes of ice time. Everybody was below. Now I said forward guys don't go ripping me online. I said forwards. There was D that was obviously over 20 minutes but no forward broke the 20 minute mark that was including power play time, penalty kill time etc etc. And then something that really made me happy. We all been jumping all over Casper Cap and I just talked about it a few minutes ago but Cappy did something that we want this team to do which is stand up for one another and when JT got hit, Casperi Kapanen was right there getting up in the face and trying to stand up for his captain which is what you want to see we all know what happened back in the day when Dion Phaneuf was captain guys were firing pucks at him and nobody said a freaking word so to see Cappy stand up for his captain and do what he needs to do in that regard made me pretty happy you know Cappy might not drop the gloves but at least somebody said hey you're not taking a shot at my captain without getting something back for it Something I want to draw a little attention to, we've been focusing, hyper-focusing on the fourth line, seeming we have no contracts to talk about. And I looked at Nick Patan's ice time during the Columbus game, and he only had 6 minutes and 54 seconds. Now, I don't know what he did in this game to earn the doghouse status from Babcock, but his line mates did have more time on ice than he did. So I'm wondering if it's just maybe a player got caught and he didn't get to get on, or if he had done something that warranted him to sit. Um, you know, you look at the next game coming up here, they do look to be keeping Patan and Spezza in the lineup in back-to-back games, which might be leaning towards the fact that they are winning 
the battle against Shore and Timoshov and locking down those final spots on the fourth line. And if you look at the face-off, something, another thing that was talked about over the summer with Jason Spezza coming in, the face-off percentages, you look at Matthews and Goat at 60%, and then there's one guy that you wouldn't expect to be as high as he was, and I don't know exactly how many draws he took, but when you look at the stat sheet and you see a guy who's your third-line center rocking in 89% in his face-off circle, that is pretty freaking awesome. Now, it's obviously not going to be sustainable, but winning the draw, we all know, gives you the puck first and allows you to dictate and play at the pace that you want. So winning those face-offs is pretty good. And speaking of dictated, the Leafs dictated the pace in this game, and it was a huge reason why we came out with the 4-1 to victory. So, like I said, the Columbus game, a.k.a. the Marner Show. Now, we move to Saturday night. Now, Saturday night, it was a great, great thing. We were up 4-1, to one and we all know that score will forever haunt Leafs Nation. End of story, period. And again, it happened to us. But there's a thing that we need to do here with the Maple Leafs teams, and Doug preaches this every single time. When the game starts, boys, we need to start on time. We need to be there. And again, Domi and Galley were all over the boys, and Weber was crunching. And look who got on the board first. It was Montreal, and it was Domi, who was all in the middle of it, and he was just loving it. Obviously, he was chomping and jarring with Leaf fans and with the Leafs all summer long, and now getting into the season, you knew he was going to come ready. And you could tell that it was a back-to-back, because for us, in the third period, our legs went. We weren't there anymore. The skating wasn't the same. The tempo wasn't the same. The pace wasn't the same. It was completely different in the third period. And you know what? That's when Hutchinson needs to shut it down for us. That's when we need our backup goalie to go out and make a few key saves to lock down the game so that way we can pick up the victory. But unfortunately, that did not happen. And we know what happened. Unfortunately, we had to rely on Mr. Austin Matthews captain of all situations to pot the puck and get us to overtime. I don't care what you say, Austin Matthews is starting to come up clutch because he had the game tying goal and he had the you know the other game tying goal as well. So Austin Matthews and he could have had the hat trick in this game. He missed the post or he hit it off the post, didn't go in, the stick broke, whatever you want to call it, and it just absolutely could have had the hat trick. So you know captain of all situations is Austin Matthews. And it's never a bad night when you get five on price. I just wish we could have got the goal. And, you know, capping him with the brain fart led to the pre-tree penalty shot goal. One that I think Hutchinson wished he had. But you learn from it. And as I say to Doug, and I've said this many times now, guys, you want bad things to happen early. So that way you can get them out of your system, learn from them, and move on. So if this is stuff that's going to happen early in the season, let's deal with it now. Let's come compartmentalize it, put it in a box, put it under the bed because it's done, it's dealt with, it's over with, it's gone. Let's move forward as a great team that we're going to be. The other game that we played during the span of two podcasts was the St. Louis Blues. And this is another game where I thought that we could win. And I'm going to say it right now. William Nylander played his absolute ass off in this game. He was carrying the puck. He was getting chances, shooting, Deking, dagling, he was doing the Mitch Marner, dipsy doodle, stir the drink stuff, and he was making things happen. So, 
for anybody to say that William Nylander shouldn't have been out there in the last minute when they're trying to tie it up, I think you're absolutely crazy. And there was a lot of people that said to me, well, you know, he doesn't know the setup or he's not part of the formation. Well, he does play with Austin Matthews 5-on-5. Five five. I'm pretty sure he's been on the same ice surface as Mitch Marner and John Tavares. And I'm pretty sure that he knows uh, how to play with Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry. The big thing for me is, and I say this all the time, you know, great players make other players around them better. And players like Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Morgan Riley and even Tyson Berry to a lesser extent, they all make players better around them. Mitch Marner made... Tyler Bozak and JVR better. And the same thing could be said. You throw William Nylander out there, who's on an absolute heater during this game, and who knows, you may have tied it up in that last minute. I, I'm no coach. I don't make millions of dollars like Babcock. But to me, if you got a guy who you know is high-end skill, can match the guys that are on the ice, why not put him out there and just see what happens? See if he can get the puck through, feather a pass. We all know he's got that sick pass with Matthews going across the crease to where it happens. Something could have happened. There could have been some willy magic, but we'll never know. Now, we did lose the game. But I do think that we played pretty well against the reigning defending Stanley Cup champions. What we need to do when we play Tampa on Thursday is we need to come out quick and use our speed. That's why I said for this game, Tampa's going to be all over us with theirs. We got to be all over them. Them Can't wait till Thursday. Not predicting it right now. You got to wait for the prediction season video. But some other things rolling around throughout the league. Alex Zabrinkat locked up in Chicago. You know, Chicago is going to be a force again. I do believe it. I think if they can get Alex Nylander rolling with Taves and Kane, and you keep getting production from Dylan Strom and uh, Mr. Debrinkat, you are going to be pretty damn good. Now, the deal is not too bad. I think it's six seven five, And for a guy that just put up 40 goals, that's not too shabby. You know, again... Chicago seems to be able to find the way to do these deals and get things done. Alex Rubrinkat staying in Chicago. Now, I was under the impression that Connor McDavid loved it in Edmonton, but I'm hearing and seeing a lot of there may be a clock. There may be a, hmm, you know, this year or next, and McDavid may ultimately ask for a request. The other side of the coin that I'm hearing is that management has gone to McDavid and said, hey, listen, this year isn't going to be a great year, but the draft is stacked. Maybe we can tank for the Lafreniere kid, and maybe we can get us another generational talent to play alongside you on this team. If you're Connor McDavid, that's got to be hard to hear. You're going out there and you're slugging it out for an 82-game season. I'm wondering if he looks at them and says, hey, I'm not over 100%. I'm not ready to be, you know, 82 game McDavid. Does he ask maybe to take a reduced, maybe um, what do you load management style this season? I don't know. That's not in his nature. I know. I'm just throwing this out there. If you already know that you, your management and your team want to drop down and get a great pick again, what does that make you feel inside? I mean, how do you get motivated each and every night? And then you have the other side. Go back over. You're looking for a guy to play with McDavid, and what better of a guy for a bounce-back candidate than James Neal? And I sat with Pete Jensen and Doug on our fantasy hockey podcast and talked about the fact that James Neal may be a very buy-low 
get high reward candidate. And I was basically laughed out of the room because of what he did last year in Calgary, putting up seven goals. Well, ladies and gentlemen, at the recording of this podcast, he has six goals, four goals in one game. I know it's four goals in one game, but guys, if you're playing with Connor McDavid and you are a goal scorer, which James Neal is, and you do not produce, I don't think there's much room for you left in this league. And I think James Neal knows this. So I don't know if we're about to see an explosion between the two, but if there's chemistry and Neal can rekindle some magic and get himself back in the 30-goal conversation and McDavid's McDavid, and then you have a second line with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins on the third, and you can start plugging and playing with maybe some speedy wingers with a little bit of skill, who knows what Edmonton can do. And you know what? Maybe they'll squeak into a playoff spot and do what the Leafs did for years, which is screw themselves out of a good draft pick by making it or just barely making it and waste more time with the Connor McDavid clock. I do think there is a timetable for Connor McDavid where he will ask management to be moved if things do not change in Edmonton. Sorry, Edmonton fans. I want to see you successful. I want to see all Canadian teams vying for playoff spots. I want Toronto to ultimately come out on top, but I definitely want to see the Edmonton Oilers, Ottawa Senators, Vancouver Canucks, Calgary Flames, you know, Winnipeg Jets, Montreal Canadiens. Oh, sorry. Got a little nauseous there saying that. I want to see these teams make the playoffs. All joking aside, when Canadian teams are in the playoffs, it's rocking. We're loud. The way we get into it, it's wicked. No, no disrespect to any American teams, but honestly, the way Canadian teams get rocking and loud in the playoffs, we need them all in there. So hopefully, maybe Edmonton makes it and makes some noise, and maybe James Neal becomes this prolific scorer beside Connor McDavid. The other thing for a Canadian team, I'm looking at the Winnipeg Jets, and from what Elliot Freeman said, it seems like Mr. Bufflin is leaning more towards the retirement aspect of things than the actual coming back. Um, this sucks for Winnipeg fans because it looked like you guys had a long window to contend with guys like Truba and Myers and Bufflin, Morrissey, um, you know, and you look at your up front, it's nothing to snub your nose at. Guys like Kyle Connor, Patrick Line, Nikolai Ehlers, I watched him with the Moose and I'm very excited for him over in Winnipeg. Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and the list goes on for guys that you have that are talented. But unfortunately, you know, we all know that you need a good defensive core. And right now you guys are being held together by tape and Josh Morrissey. That's the only nice way to put it. And unfortunately, Dustin Bufflin is leaving you guys in a lurch. And I'm wondering if Kevin Sheveldayoff and ownership are going to give Dustin Bufflin an ultimatum. You need to give us a date or this is it. This is you have to come back at this date or we're done with it and just file your paperwork and sail off and do some fishing and enjoy your family time. You've earned it. But they need a decision because they can't be handcuffed by this. We all know that October is your building blocks for success for the rest of the season, unless you're the Buffalo Sabres of last year when they went on a 10-game winning streak, I think in November, and we all know where they ended up in the standings. But this is a crucial time to bank points, and right now it is difficult for the Winnipeg Jets to do so with a ragtag defense of young guys and Josh Morrissey. So, hopefully Bufflin, I want him to come back. I want Winnipeg, like I just said, little rant there. I want Canadian teams in the playoffs, but you need to know what's going on with Bufflin. If you don't, then there's a problem. The last thing I want to shout out before I get into my three stars and player of the week, I want to shout out the rivalry between Drew Doughty and Mr. DeJuck over in Calgary. I think it is freaking 
awesome to have these battles. And I love the fact that they go at each other. And last night, it was reminiscent of Matthews when he did the Can You Hear Me? And then Kane scoring, doing the same thing, just a little on-ice battle. These guys obviously don't like each other. There's bad blood between Tuchuk and Dowdy. But guess what? It's good for the game because we know controversy sells. Controversy brings eyeballs. So now people wanted to see the game last night, and they'll want to see it more and more. And I know the LA Kings may not make the playoffs this year, which kind of sucks, because I would love to see LA Calgary in the playoffs, those two battle it out. But you had to chuck with the tying goal last night, and then Drew Doughty, Mr. Dripped Stouty himself, dripping in swag, doing it the right way, scoring an OT, and, you know, getting the Calgary fans into it by jumping and celebrating and all that jazz. You know, you look at it like that. You want these things. You want these rivalries that are organic, that are not created by the media. Kind of like the Line A versus Matthews debate, which is pretty much put to bed now. You want these organic things. Kind of like what's happening now between Toronto and Boston, all the playoff series. You know, it's, and it's an organic I don't like that team or I want to beat that team. You need it to be organic and not manufactured, which is why I'm saying it's great what's going on between Dowdy and Chuck. It gets a little bit of eyeballs on the game, boys and girls. All right, so the next step that we usually do on the podcast, and I wish Doug was here for this. Dougie, I'm thinking of you, my friend. We jump into the three stars of the week. We're going to do this on the podcast you know, basically we do two a week now. So this is going to be the one that is on the Tuesday or Monday. This week we're a little bit late. But anyways, jumping into the three stars. Coming in at number three, the third star of the week for me is Mr. Trevor Moore. And why do I say that? Well, have you watched him play? It's like watching Zach Hyman with a little bit more skill. And this guy can fly, hustle in the zone, pick up the puck. It's more season, baby. This guy has earned his spot in the lineup. I don't want to see him off that third line when Hyman comes back. I don't know what that means for Kapanen or others in this lineup, but he has earned the spot that he is sitting in. That is for sure. My second star of the week, well, he came in as just another Russian that we picked up that wouldn't do anything. And boy, oh boy, this big body, sweet skating, hitting, scoring, Doing all the right little things machine and Ilya Mikheyev has earned my second star of the week. Hopefully he can keep the play going throughout the year. I'm really excited to see what he can bring for this Leaf squad. And he brings elements that we don't have. And hopefully he can keep using that big body to his advantage. And then last but not least, I am picking Austin Matthews as my number one star of the week. And why do you say that? He's scoring... He's doing everything. If you're watching what Babcock said about wanting him to be the best two-way forward in the game, he got some of that back by getting on the back check and doing the right things. Even in the St. Louis game, it was brought up on the broadcast how he was the first one back, taking away the puck, stripping players of it, and making sure to take care of plays in its defensive end, not just in the offensive end. So Austin Matthews, you get the first star from me for being a complete player now we get down to the brass tacks we look at what we do and we call this the warrior of the week my warrior of the week is trevor moore this guy has battled to get in the lineup battled to earn his ice time 
battled to get the play that he's going for, and now he is thriving under conditions where he's playing with a speedy center and a hulking winger on the other side who can do some damage as well. So Trevor Moore is the Zach Hyman of his line. He does all the little things right. He's not afraid to go muck it up and get into the dirty areas. So for that reason, he is my warrior of the week. Now guys, one thing I want to shout out before we close out this episode, this solo Mio, me riding alone episode, is I want to say a big shout out to Doug J. Ireland. He is the voice of the OJ. The reason why we couldn't do the podcast together today, he is behind the mic announcing the goals, the penalties, everything you hear in-house in the OJHL for the Markham Royals, Toronto Junior Patriots, and the Toronto Junior Canadians. That is Doug J. Ireland's voice. Not to mention he is also doing live tweets during the game for those teams as well. This gentleman is one of the hardest working guys in the OJHL. If you have the opportunity and you love great junior hockey, hey Taco, I'm looking at you. Go check out the OJHL. It is the league of choice. It is awesome. We like to get behind the Markham Royals. We talk a lot about the Collingwood Colts, the Milton Menace, the Toronto Junior Patriots, and the Junior Canadians. You know, if you want your team featured on the show, drop us a line, drop us a link. We'll happily have on a coach, player, whatever you'd like. We have people on to talk about the game, growing the game, matchups coming up, whatever it is. Be sure to check out your local team. Be sure this weekend to check out the Markham Royals, wherever they may be. And be sure to check out the Milton Menace, Collingwood Colts, Junior Canadians, and the Toronto Junior Patriots. And be sure, if you see Doug in the booth, go bang on the glass and say, Go Offside, and thanks for everything you do for junior hockey. Alright guys, this is the abbreviated episode of Offside Hockey Talk. Thanks for tuning in and checking it out. If you like it, subscribe, tell all your friends, share it around the world. It's Offside Hockey Talk, and I only got one question for you. Are you ready to go offside?